a lot of fields today have become commercialized and there is an element of the heart and soul which is missing from a lot of professions and a lot of uh, activities in today's lives and the important component is uh, i would say design design is a component which uh, across industries and across any field it just permeates through every every field every aspect of our lives and uh, today we are very fortunate to have mr chetan shiv prasad uh, he is a prominent architect from bangalore chetan shiv prasad has been working as an architect for the past 25 years and heads a studio called come design he teaches in the field of architecture and conducts design workshops in various universities across india now he is venturing into a new foray hampi center for design which is a center for design dialogue involving not just architects and designers but also people from all professions and walks of life so mr chetan shiv prasad welcome to the abundant show thank you satish it's a it's a pleasure to be here and have a interesting dialogue in the next couple of hours looking forward to so uh, chetan tell me what's unique about Uh, your architecture and your style of working what's unique about you okay i don't think uh, we are anything unique about our space but uh, i think what we try and do in in architectural practice is being conscious of what we do uh, that's one thing which is missing because uh, uh, we are going to take a lot of resources from mother earth so am i being conscious of what i'm taking out from that space and that's the first step to moving to being you know a sensible architect so uh that's that's one of the core values of our architectural practice uh we also work with um, uh, minimizing the use of any material uh, so that our impact on mother earth is as minimum as possible uh that's another core aspect of our design as uh, design practice we also work with cultures we also work with climate responses um at the end of the day uh, if a person Uh, in north karnataka for example where we doing quite a few projects where uh, the climates are quite high we reach 45 46 degrees but if i can create a space an architectural space which brings in brings down the temperature to around 28 to 30 degrees without the use of any artificial ventilation which means that i have reduced consumption of any other material then i have done something justice so if you really ask me what's unique uh, unique is being sensible to the context uh, to the material and to the uh, to the user very nice very good so how did your uh, interest in architecture come about how did you start this okay uh, joining the course was uh, was an accident uh, uh, but i think uh, once i joined the course uh, i've fallen in love with it um, and the last 25 30 years of my experience with architecture has been has been very romantic uh, <laughs> and, uh, we've been trying to play with uh, each space uh, we create um, uh, in a sense that uh, you know you fall in love with each each space you create so it's been quite romantic in the last 30 years of my experience okay so my journey has been uh, uh, when i first joined in as an architectural student uh, um i i was the first uh, batch of a particular college i was a product of dhanan sagar school of architecture um uh, was the first batch student of that college we didn't have too many faculties so it gave me a, a platform to really push myself and explore things from the real world so i i managed to travel across the country um i managed to travel meet a lot of friends 
Um, I was part of an association called the National Student National Association of Students of Architecture as a as a primary member for a long time, a part of the National Council also, uh, where we documented a lot of historical spaces across the country. I was the coordinator for the documentation center. So I managed to see works of close to around 60 colleges of architecture documenting various villages, towns, historical spaces across the country. And I could see that on my platter. So that started my love towards understanding the context. And slowly uh, we started off, uh, I joined a firm called uh, Jaisen Fountainhead. Which year was it when you were? Uh, this so was somewhere between 91 to 96. Okay. And from then onwards, I've been continuously traveling. Oh. So my my leg is on, on wheels. So <laughs> I travel on an average around 10 to 15 days in a month, even today. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, between places. So right. then I joined an architecture firm called Jason Fountainhead, who gave me another dimension, who just pushed me onto a uh, thing where it said that uh, nothing is impossible. So we started questioning everything, and that slowly became the the way I start working, of understanding my own boundaries and uh, saying, if this is my boundary, then I consciously step out of that boundary uh, to understand that material or that process a little differently, thereby expanding my boundary. So every act of mine from that then onwards has been about pushing that boundary of, of stepping out, uh, moving, expanding my horizon. So it could be with a brick. Say, for example, the way we looked at a brick was it was a material to build a wall. But I pushed that material to a certain level saying that, can I make a foundation of that? Can I make a roof out of that? Can I make a door out of that? So today, we, a material has become a, a, a very interesting palette for me to work with. And it can change qualities the way you want it to work. So you have this, as I earlier said, that romanticism with that material. Um, it could be brick, it could be glass, it could be metal. So you start working and pushing that material to another zone, a, a step beyond your comfort zone. So that was what was taught to us from Jaisim, including structural systems. Uh, then I started come design uh, in 98, if I'm right. Uh, and then it's been so many years of practice uh, on come design. We've explored architecture at, um, you know, for residences, for commercial spaces. We've done auditoriums, we've done a ho hospital, uh, we've done res resorts, hotels, everywhere exploring this context. Okay. So most of these works that you do, uh, you bring an element of nature and how to not disturb nature and how to move forward from that without burdening the nature is what is the concept <laughs> that you uh, subscribe to. So uh, can you elaborate more on that and how did, did this uh, this thing come? Because I think it's only uh, fashionable to talk about all these things in the recent times in India especially. I think you are into this space for quite some time. So how did it come about and what is this philosophy that you subscribe to? Okay, I think the first act is to see whether is, is nature something which we need to bring into. I think I, I negate that thought process. I always start off with the process saying that we are part of nature. So if I'm part of nature, uh, how do I become, how does my architecture relate to that part of nature? So I wouldn't say that we forcibly bring in a, a landscape into that space or forcibly bringing quality of light into that space. They're all characters of the story. 
nature light material are all characters of the story and as an architect architect you weave that story interestingly so you start making uh, just like an actor has to emote certain thing you ask sunlight to emote in a particular way and you create the uh, the platform for it to emote and in that sense uh, nature becomes a part of the you know experience of that architecture so architecture for me there is not just uh, um, four walls of a room it becomes uh, it becomes a storyline for me to uh, relate to because anything in design anything is done is something where you kind of um, say a story right and uh, you need the char- uh, kind of characters to work with that story so for me architecture is that uh, sun is a, is a character uh, your wind is a character uh, your proportions of room is a character your your material is a character your floor finish is a character so how do you weave one story into all using all this characters and tell an amazing storyline uh, so nature for me is not something uh, outside the realm of our practice it's been a part of our practice through and through uh, another level where we are pushing now is to really understand that even in terms of structures so when you, when i start looking at a tree and i say if a tree does not transfer its loads at a 90 degrees why are we converting all our build forms into converting them into 90 degrees so you start looking at creating forks in our structures so say for example we did, we did a school recently called a rinko academy where we questioned the whole realm of saying if if uh, if my column is a vertical and a horizontal uh, beam is a, a horizontal member and instead of that can i change that by creating an x as a uh, as a vertical member and then tie it up understand center of gravity this is a technical term but you kind of look at the tree and then put it into a dis- built form and thereby you create a space which is very very unique uh, which requires much lesser material we almost reduce 30% of our steel consumption by doing that simple act uh, and uh, i know we had an amazing space which we created Uh, similarly we did for the same school we did the kindergarten where we talked about creating large volumes say 30 feet 40 i mean uh, around 50 feet of uh, uh, volume and how do i create that without any columns for a kid to play around so we looked at how the uh, shell works and try to understand the, the framing of the shell and how it can span such a large volume in in its proportion converted that into an architectural space with the use of very minimum materials and you created some new drama out of that and use the uh, gaps between the shells to allow reflected light into that space and so yeah so nature suddenly becomes a character uh, tells a new story every time and for me sun again is a very important element because it's something which moves and uh, throughout the day it tells a new story True. because it shifts its shadows it shifts its moment it shifts its location inside that space so every time it for example it might sit on an object at one point of time and it could be sit on sitting on the floor at a different point of time it could be bright it could be cloudy so it becomes a very very interesting um, you know very vibrant character for us to play around with very interesting so you also uh, tend to bring in elements of nature into your design and in terms of a choice of material also Uh, so how do you do that yeah as i told you earlier i think uh, uh, 
one of the biggest challenges we uh, uh, everywhere across the world globe are facing is our understanding of a material. Uh, our lifestyle is based on this idea that uh, we take something out from Mother Earth, we create a product out of that. Uh, it could be uh, a camera to a laptop to a building to a pen to a shirt, whatever. We take, but their resources are from Mother Earth. You take them out, you create a product, you use the product, and at the end of the product, what happens to that? You send it into a landfill. So you, we work on a very linear concept of cradle to grave. A very, very linear concept of cradle to grave. We are trying to see whether we can move a little further and try and see whether we can get into a concept of cradle to cradle. Which means that I take out resources from Mother Earth, I use it, create an architectural space, create a project, create a design element, and after its usage, it becomes food for another process. It is not recycled, but it becomes another loop by itself. Yeah. So I'll be happy if by the end of my life, if I can create a building which can kill itself after its life and becomes a product for something else. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so I, I, I think the choice of materials comes from there. Um, and we still don't have any material which can kill itself. But can I reduce the consumption of material, number one? Can, you, can I uh, see that that material sustains for the time it is required to be sustained? It does not mean um, permanent, uh, permanence is not the order of the day today. Uh, you don't need a space which needs to survive for 400 years and then become a landfill. You would need a, a material which can survive for the time period it, it is to be used and they then become food for another process. So I'm trying to see whether we can get into that kind of a practice today. Um, say, um, for example, steel is something which we're trying to look at now because steel has usage, uh, which can be recycled for a long amount of time, can be used as another uh, process for a long amount of time. So I delay the process of its decay, but I see that it goes through a lot of activities from its start to the end. So, yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah, right? yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah, you got the uh, trail of your thinking. Uh, so, the choice of material, the way you design, and the way you really take inspiration from nature is what is very close to your heart. Right, yeah. right. So, Humpy Center for Design is something which is uh, uh, which is very close uh, thing for you now, and you're involved in it for the last few years. Uh, so, how did you? Think about this and what stage are you in and what do you do there? Uh, my love for teaching, my love for exploring with the Inger lot has been there from the time I was, in a, I was a student. So when I was in my fourth year, because it was a new college, I ended up teaching my first year students, taking classes for them. On, uh, so from them on, then onwards, I've been working with uh, students, learning from them, uh, working with them, and exploring new thoughts. So an average age of my office today is is around 20 plus. Oh. Uh, so we always get new, new fresh blood into our office. We work with interns. So we start exploring new thoughts with those kids. Um, and I find that there's a major challenge uh, with the way we are educating kids, uh, with, the, with the way we are trying to 
bring in uh, knowledge bases for design students or or anybody for that matter so today education is something which is so marks driven that uh, you study something and then at the end of the course you just vomit it out <laughs> and then you are you you forget it for the remaining part of your life so um today we are i mean uh, i i have taken my son for his uh, t- first for making him join his first puc and the first question i uh, they were asked me is does he want to be a engineer or a doctor so my immediate reaction is i would love if he can become a chef yeah why is that process of uh, the duality so strong in education and why is everybody being tuned to study in that particular way so i think uh, uh, we would want to look at other creative aspects so how do i look in, at an ant and appreciate the way the ant works it's an amazing uh, uh, you know insect and call it, it it could take 5000 times its own weight it could carry 5000 times of its own weight how does it do it can you question that um uh, that sense of enquiry is lost among those kids yeah. uh so i i felt that there's a need for a center where we dialogue on these thoughts where we dialogue on various other aspects and we said uh, let's start off uh, a center of design dialogue and uh, we were doing a project way back uh, somewhere in 2007 in hampi for a couple of professors uh, of canada from hampi university um and when i went there and i started meeting them and then started seeing hampi i fell in love with that space um the material out there the rocks out there each rock had a story to tell and uh, hampi um is known for its ruins but i fell in love with it because of its rocks because of its compositions uh because of uh, a lot lot of mysticism which he held back and uh, you go there every time and your hampi inspires you inspires you to push your boundaries beyond i mean uh, the whole idea i mean as a as an engineer as an architect i would question the whole idea of a center of gravity but those rocks defy a lot of those thoughts and they're magical and you go back in history uh, that's a place uh, which was one of the first formed rocks in the world during uh, the cooling down of the earth and from then on we've got so much of evolution which has happened in that space right to uh, we have a lot of neolithic paintings in that place you have uh, well, you have a lot of what is that called uh, a uh, campsites which are where people neolithic people used to come prehistoric people used to come and burn a lot of their stuff in that place you have those burnt uh, a- areas out there so you have a lot of history then you come to mythology that's the place of rama hanuman and sugriv and all those people but yeah that's also a place which triggered uh, certain social movements so you have a lot of historical stories out there tell us so i said uh, can we look at creating a space there and uh, unfortunately or fortunately for us we didn't find any school of design any center of design in that belt and it had so much of potential uh and it created a an ambience for people from across the globe to come and look at that space today hampi uh, is a world heritage center is a declared world heritage center by the unesco um uh, and uh, it's on the bucket list of every 
person I meet and they all say, oh, I would want to love to visit sure. Hampi from across the globe. So we said, no, we have so many people visiting that space. Uh, we have so many students of architecture, students of design coming over and getting inspired by that space. Can we create a center of design dialogue, a center of design inquiry, a center for um, exploring new design thoughts in, a, in, a, in an ambience which had so much of history behind, so much of stories attached to it. Uh, so that's where we started working with Humpy Center of Design. Uh, we have now, I, my family was uh, supportive enough, they all, we all shifted to Humpy and we, uh, yeah. we've kind of rented a place there and started leaving there so that we get that, the pulse of that space. It's been two years now that we've been doing that. Oh, yes. And uh, uh, now we've just bought a piece of land to start that center. But a lot of activities have already started off. Yeah. One of the activities which we just recently conducted was uh, an inquiry in the, into the way uh, design thinking is a very interesting uh, uh, learning process in most corporates today. So we said beyond design thinking, can we get into a nature inquired design thinking? Because uh, if I look at uh, human beings um, presence on earth, We've had a very tiny uh, presence on this earth. Say, if I if I look at a clock and I say Earth was formed at zero hours, and it's been take it's taken twelve hours for us to reach where we are today. We've been on this earth for the last three seconds. So out of the billions of years of evolution, we've had a recorded history for only around fifty thousand years. Um, so there's so much of evolution for us, to, uh, so much of learning we can uh, do from nature. So we said, uh, can businesses work with the way nature works? Can finance managements work with the way nature works? Can uh, design uh, exploration happen through nature? So we started doing these workshops where I, myself and another friend of mine who's a naturalist, Ulas, we both sit together and uh, get into that kind of a very strong design inquiry. Uh, we've started our workshops on that. Um, where uh, you know, last week we had few uh, people coming from, uh, we had a chemical engineer, we had a finance manager, we had a student of uh, architecture, we had a landscape architect, we had a product designer, we had a ninth standard student. So you had this whole group of people sitting together and dialoguing on how does that ant take 5,000 times its weight wow. and how do I use that as a process for my design exploration, or how does um, a fish breathe, and how do I use that to create a product range? Right? Yeah. So it's a very interesting dialogue. It's yeah. a very interesting. Same thing with the way we've explored Humpy Center of Designs management system. They're all based on ant colonies. So each ant colony has certain ants doing certain activities. So they kind of create. Uh, uh, an existence, uh, uh, what do you say, uh, an environment for that whole ant colony to work. But they all do their jobs. And it's not hierarchical. Right? So somewhere we are trying to take that into uh, the way Humpy Center of Design will work and say, do we have a colony of people who will work on on workshops, who, a colony of people who will work on research, a colony of people who will work on uh, um, you know, marketing, whatever, yeah. sales, finance, yeah. administration, yeah. teaching, and then get those colonies together to explore various things. 
So uh, we've, we're doing that workshop. We're doing another workshop where uh, a lot of people come to Humpy and visit Humpy, walk around, take a guide, see some spaces and get out. But can I look at so many stories which are hidden in Humpy? So we're now doing a workshop on knowing Humpy. Uh, the first workshop is uh, working with uh, a group from Chennai where we are looking at uh, how to look at Humpy from the perspective of a designer. So we have a historian who's done a lot of work coming in talking about Humpy. We have somebody who's worked on the flora and fauna of that place coming in talking about that. We have a folk uh, artist who's coming in talking about folk stories of that place to those people. We have a photographer who has a different eye to picture Humpy coming and sharing his experiences with that. So with this knowledge base, uh, the students come and do that workshop and then get back. So it's this kind of various activities we are trying to club in into uh, the Humpy Center of Design where it becomes a hub for design dialogue. It becomes so much of activities there. One more is uh, we are also working uh, on setting up a residency for artists and architects and designers from across the globe and to come and stay there. So if I'm having, uh, uh, say, around 10 to 12 artists visiting us for a month uh, there, and in the 12 months I have close to 100 people from various design fields from across the globe coming and working in that space. So any student of designers who are there, who could be in the School of Design or School of Architecture or whatever, uh, get explored to those people, get exposed to the various thought processes of those 100 plus artists from across the globe and participate with them either as volunteers or as uh, support staff or work on the project with them. The kind of learning those kids are, get would be amazing. True. So these are certain things we're trying to create in that space. Mm. Um, we would want to document uh, local crafts. We're now uh, getting into uh, an incubation cell which will support local craftsmen. Uh, we're losing a lot of crafts. Uh, modern technology is kind of killing off crafts. Literacy, uh, even though it was a brilliant movement, killed crafts. And uh, we are trying to see if we we can get some of those crafts back into into practice uh, for some more time. So you you incubate those uh, skill uh, those craftsmen. They might not have the skill of business. They might not have the skill of uh, marketing themselves. They might not have the skill of uh, uh, finding the right market. So they're leaving that skill and coming back and becoming an auto driver or a taxi driver in the city. But that's a treasure trove which sure. we're losing. So can we create an incubation cell? We are now working with Pavati Finish with another 10th standard student uh, from uh, another school uh, with whom we are working on setting that incubation cell with him on the Pavati Finish. Uh, we're working with Kinara artists from Koppal on trying to see how that can come into the mainstay of architecture and design. So yeah, Humpy Center of Design is a lot of these ideas mushrooming out. Very nice. Uh, slowly. Very nice. So you're creating an ecosystem of people who want to learn, people who want to give back in terms of design aspects and also to conserve and preserve and uh, probably make uh, these new uh, old arts flourish. And those handicrafts and those arts and those it, skills flourish. Parts of it, yes. That's part of our thought process. Yeah, yeah. In terms of research, uh, we could even talk about futuristic materials. Right. Can we create a, I mean, uh, Humpy is not just because of the historical movement. It is just that power of thinking beyond. Because Humpy has been that platform of 
pushing uh, uh, boundaries. Know, uh, boundaries to the next level. So yeah. I'm trying to see whether that can give me the power to see whether we can look at how to live in the future. How uh, much, like I said, if Humpy can help me understand how to design a building which can kill itself uh, with a new material. Oh. It's possible. True. So it's a, it's a kind of design dialogue, design discovery which we want to do in that space. So Chetan, tell me, uh, is design uh, only for architects and for designers or is it meant for others? And what does Humpy Center for Design do in terms of involving other people and other professionals in this? Right. Um, no, I think uh, uh, design, uh, exp- uh, design is a field which is going to get into all realms of our, pract- of our life. 